All right, well, today we want to continue our series. So we're in the middle of a series. Uh, if you're new with us today, uh, I think in series, uh, I said this last week, um, whenever I was growing up, my dad used to preach really, really long sermons. And so what I would do is I would listen to those sermons and I would think, man, that would... That was probably four sermons in one sitting. And so that's how I started thinking about whenever I, whenever I preached. And so um, we've been on this series for a while now. We started at the beginning of August. And here we are at the beginning of September. It's gone a little bit longer than I thought it would. And, and honestly, I think it might end up going one more week. So if you can just hang out with us for a little bit. So uh, the series is called Anointed. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. There's a place in the book of Acts where um, Paul... Uh, comes across some disciples and he says, uh, do you know anything about the Holy Spirit? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Like we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so we feel like a lot of times in the church today, uh, we, we bypass a lot of stuff that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And so we decided as a church, we're going to just kind of dive in and see what the Bible says about Holy Spirit. And so last week we talked about two different works of the Spirit of God in our life. We talked about how the Spirit uh, lives in us, but at the same time, the Spirit moves on us. And so there's two different things happening that the Spirit wants to do. And so uh, we talked about how when the Spirit is in us, right, he, he lives in us, that He produces life and He produces fruits in us. Maybe you've heard of the fruits of the Spirit before, but we said when the Spirit is on us, He produces power and gives us purpose. We also talked about how the words spirit on us in the Bible is used a variety of different ways. And so uh, we threw out some words that the Bible uses, nothing that we made up. And the Bible uses words like baptize, which we're going to do today, baptize in water. But the word baptize is just a word that means plunge, right? It just means to, to dunk someone underneath something. And so, to, so whenever we hear the word baptize, it says the spirit on us is to be baptized. It means to be filled. It means to um, fall upon, the Spirit fell upon people, the Spirit um, comes upon people, the Spirit is poured out on people. All of these terms that sound a lot like liquid is used in the New Testament to talk about the Holy Spirit moving on people's lives. And so one of the things we said last week, we said whenever we um, have the Spirit of God living inside of us, it's like drinking water, right? When I drink my water, the water goes in me. It wasn't a trick question. It wasn't a trick. Y'all are like, uh, in, in me. Three people answered. When I drink my water, the water goes where? In me. But whenever I get in a shower, the water is on me. And so, so we said that it's like that. It's like getting underneath a waterfall um, whenever the Spirit of God comes upon us. And so, so we want to see that. And, and I want to mention this too. Uh, when it comes to stuff about the Holy Spirit, there are a variety of views by theologians, Bible scholars, and preachers on the same scriptures that we all read. Isn't that amazing? Like you can have one scripture, you can have one chapter, you can have one book of the Bible, and you can have a variety of people look at that and give you a different viewpoint. It doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's wrong and one person is right. It just shows you that there's a variety of views. And I'm okay with the fact that some of us have all come from different backgrounds and we may have a variety of views. So what I've de determined to do in my heart for this church is I'm going to try my very best to put my past on the back burner when it comes to, to the Bible. And I'm going to try real hard to just see what does the Bible actually say. And let's just go with that. 
right? I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a radical statement to say we're going to listen to the Bible, but that's what we're going to try to do, okay? So today, whenever we read this stuff, we're going to just go with what the Bible says, and that's what we're going to focus on. And, and, um, and so let's talk about this. So we said last week, the Spirit on us, one of the words that it uses, that the Bible uses, is that the Bible says to be filled. Paul was one of the writers of the New Testament. He wrote a ton of the New Testament. And he was a missionary and a church planner. And one of the things Paul did is he used the word filled a lot. He used the word filled a lot. Now we understand again, drinking the water, the water's in me. Spirit coming upon me, the water's on me. But Paul liked the word filled. And I think he likes the word filled because it doesn't just mean to be filled filled, like just to fill up, but it literally means to overflow, to fill every space. And so we're going to talk about what does it mean to be filled and, and how are we filled? And, and that's really kind of the key thought for today is what does that really mean? And so I want to give you a verse uh, because there's a, there's a place that, that gives us a, a thought on how to be filled. And, and to understand, we'll get into this in just a few minutes, but the word filled in the Bible, uh, if you actually look that word up in its original uh, like Greek meaning, it, it literally means like to someone to put on a jacket, like to fill up a jacket, to, to fill every part of it, right? And so that's what we want the Spirit of God to do. And so the Bible says this in Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking. And here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. It says this. It says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Verse 11. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to... Jesus was pretty raw, right? Like he, right off the bat, he told everybody listening to him, you're a bunch of sinners. I really like Jesus. Um, he doesn't hold back. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how do I get filled? How do I get um, the Holy Spirit on me? How do I, how do I have that moment, that plunging underneath the waterfall moment with the Holy Spirit? It's very simple. I have to seek it. I have to desire it. He says, seek, ask, and knock. He doesn't make it very hard, but there's some key words in there. He says, keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. He doesn't say do it one time. It's a continual asking and seeking. Some of you guys um, have kids and you know how wonderful kids can be. Why are you laughing? That wasn't a joke. Kids are wonderful most of the time. But have you ever noticed that whenever you try to take a nap or you try to fall asleep, that kids all of a sudden aren't wonderful anymore? They are what we like to call annoying. And so sometimes kids do that. And so yesterday uh, I'm sitting down. It's the first real Saturday of football, even though LSU plays tonight. Um, I I still watch all the other teams. I I even watch the teams I don't like, just hoping that they lose, you know. so I watch a lot of Alabama football. And, um, and so I, I was laying on the couch. And as I'm laying on the couch, I thought, this is perfect. This is great. I, I, I've, I've already had a full morning. Um, I've done some stuff. And now I don't have anything else to do for the afternoon. I got out a pillow. I got out a blanket. I laid on the couch. The dog curled up next to me. I turned on a football game. And I fell asleep. And I slept hard, too, man. I was sleeping so hard. And then all of a sudden, I hear Colt, right? My 11 
ish year old son sitting on the front row and Colt comes up and he's like making a lot of noise, right? On accident, makes noise on accident and I wake up and he's like, oh, did I wake you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you did actually. And, and so he says, dad, I talked to mom and I need to talk to you about this. He said, I need, um, I need some money and I need this money for something really important. And I'm like, what do you need money for? And, and some of you that have been in church with me for a while, you've heard this same story, but with a different child. You heard it when G2 was 11 or 12 years old. And, and it just keeps repeating itself over and over in my life. I don't know why. And Colt says, I need money, Dad. And I said, why do you need real life money? He said, because I want to buy my imaginary video game man some new clothes. I said, let me get this straight. You're waking me up from my football nap, which is like a coma, to let me know that you need money, my real hard-earned money, so you can buy new clothes for your man on Fortnite? Like, that's what you want? And he was like, yeah, Dad, it's real important. I need to get that money from you because there's a time limit on this thing. And if I get this new, these new clothes, then everybody will know how good I am. And I said, can you just prove how good you are by being good at the game? He said, no, dad, it doesn't work like that. And I said, well, I'm tired. Go away. And so he goes off. Five minutes later, he comes back in. Guess what I was doing? Yeah, napping again. And he comes back in. Hey, dad, have you thought more about getting me the clothes? And I said, I have not thought anymore. I thought about taking a nap. I thought about hitting you. There's a lot of things I've thought about in your clothes for your video game, man. is not one of them. Go away. And so he leaves. And five minutes later, he comes back and he wakes me up again. I said, Colt, wait till your mom gets home. We'll talk to her. He said, I've already talked to her. I said, I want to talk to her. Can you see where I'm going with this story? So I gave him the money and he bought the clothes for the video game, man. <laughs> After a while... He just wore me down. I mean, he just kept asking and he kept asking and kept asking. And I just finally said, fine, I'll give you the money. Just leave me alone for five minutes on a Saturday. Jesus says, if you want something, ask for it. And, and I like that he says, keep asking. I don't think he's saying be annoying, right? He's not, he doesn't have a desire for you to be annoying to him. But I think what he has a desire is for you to show pursuit. He wants you, he wants to see, do you really want something? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to keep asking? What if I say no the first time? Are you willing to come back? And, and I think there's this place where we need to desire the things of God. Paul says this in, the, in Corinthians. He says you should desire spiritual gifts. You should have a desire for these things. You shouldn't avoid them. You should desire them. And so I feel like that's important. The Bible says in, in, um, in Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, once while he was eating with them, he commanded, this is Jesus talking, he commanded his disciples, he said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends, the, sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized, plunged, right? Dunked, submerged uh, with the Holy Spirit. Verse 14 and they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women and the brothers of Jesus. What, is that, what are we saying here? The Bible says that Jesus told the disciples, I want you to have this work of the Holy Spirit coming upon your life, but I want you to wait for it. It's coming. 
You just need to wait for it. And the Bible says that these guys got together. They didn't just twiddle their thumbs. They didn't just do nothing. They prayed. They sought God. They sought. They, they, they knocked. They asked over and over again for how long? For 10 days, the Bible says that they spent 10 days in prayer seeking God, waiting for the gift. What is he showing us? How do I get filled? How do I have this move of God on my life? The Bible calls it an anointing sometimes. How do I have that anointing on my life? I have it because I pursue it. It's not magic. It's not something that just shows up one day. You're walking down the street and you don't know what's happening. The the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of grand puppet master, you know, that's going to come along and move you around. No, no, no. It's something that you pursue. It's something that you pursue. Well, I've seen in, in other places where they, where they pray for people. Yeah, they, they do that too. That is part of it, but it's really a pursuit thing. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter 8 that, that uh, Peter and John showed up and they prayed for people. They laid their hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And that's part of it too. That's, that's an aspect of it too. But I don't want you to get away from Sometimes whenever we preach or, or we see people um, praying for someone else, we think that that person has all the power and it's not about that person. It's never about me. It's always about your willingness to pursue God. Period. I may be someone there to help pray with you. I may be someone there to help guide you. But it's always God doing a work. And it's always because of your pursuit. It's never because of me. So the first thing is you got to be filled. The second thing is you got to keep being filled. Well, doesn't it just last? I heard someone say one time, um, they were asking me this question. They said, how does, this, how does this work? It doesn't make sense to me. They said, doesn't, don't we have all of God? Like, like if, if the Holy Spirit is in us, don't we have all of the Holy Spirit? And, 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 and is he leaking? You know, is, is there something wrong? No, 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 no. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine uh, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Greek, the English translators don't do a great job on this. If you could read this in the Greek, it wouldn't say be filled one time. It would say, and continue being filled. Throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament, like when the Bible says that, that he who believes shall be saved, when, when the Bible says that about um, John three sixteen, it doesn't say he who believes one time. It says he who continues to believe. It's ongoing process. That's what our life is all about. It's ongoing. And so the same thing is true there. As a matter of fact, we can read, uh, I don't have these verses on the screen, but, but we can read this that in Acts 2, the Bible says the disciples were filled. In Acts 4, those same disciples were filled again. And then in Acts 13, those same disciples were filled again. Well, well how does that work? What does that mean? Why do we have to continually be filled? Don't we have all of the Spirit? yes. Whenever you receive Christ, whenever you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you receive all of the Spirit inside of you. But does He have all of you? You've got all of Him. Does He have all of you? And see, the Bible says this, um, that there's a, there's a limit. There's a limit. The Bible says in John three thirty four that, that uh, Jesus was given the Spirit of God without limit. What does that mean for me? Um, one time I went to put on pants. So I've got these pants in my house and they're called rest day pants. I didn't name them rest day pants. 
they're called rest day pants. That's what, that's what they're called when you buy them at the, at the store. And so um, I, I got my rest day pants, and, and Perry has two pair of rest day pants. I only have one pair of rest day pants. Um, and so I wash them a lot, and I wear them a lot. I love these pants. They're the most comfortable pants in the world. It's like putting butter on your legs. It's amazing, absolutely amazing. And so I got my rest day pants out, but it was dark, right? And so I wake up, and it's dark outside when I wake up. And I just grab my rest day pants off the floor because I'll wear them three, four, five, six, seven, eight days in a row. And um, eventually if I get something on them, I'll wash them. And so I go to put on my rest day pants. But, and you guys know what this is all about. You know where I'm going. But one of the legs was turned, what? The wrong way, right? It's inside out. So one leg goes straight in. The other leg gets stuck. And instead of me stopping and taking the pants back off and fixing the leg and putting the rest pants back on, instead I just keep trying to force my leg into the rest day pants, and now I'm stuck. And now I feel trapped, and I'm getting claustrophobic, like somebody's attacking my foot. And, and so it's a, it's a difficult thing. The same is true when it comes to the Holy Spirit wanting to use us and wanting to, to, to be honest. Yes, he lives inside of us, but there are some ways that we limit his work in our life. There are some ways we limit, and it's like, hey, you've got all of me, but I don't have all of you. I've got one leg in, but the other leg is stuck because there's some stuff in your life that you're limiting with. You're limiting me with. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If we were to go back and read all of Ephesians 4, it shows you exactly how we grieve His Spirit. It says we grieve Him in the way we talk to people. It says, don't be a liar. Don't lie to people. It says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. It, it, it begins to go through all these, all these ways. Don't be hateful and, and arrogant. These are areas of our life where we limit the work of God in us and through us because of how we live. That's why I get so frustrated whenever you see people that... that want to want to get up and they want to have the gifts of the Spirit and they want to talk about the Holy Spirit and then they go out and they gossip. No, that's, that's, you're being a hypocrite, right? Stop doing all that mess and, and, and live the way the Spirit wants you to live. So Ephesians says, it says, don't, be, don't sin in your anger. Be compassionate. Show love to others. If you don't do these things, we limit the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, do not quench the Spirit. The word quench there means to put out a fire. It says don't quench the Spirit of God in your life. In, in 2 Timothy 1.6, uh, Paul says to Timothy, who was one of his, his young guys that he was mentoring, he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Maybe you've never been camping before, but I like to camp. I don't like to camp in the summer. It's terrible. It's the worst. Lots of bug bites, and it's hot. I don't like that. But I love camping in the wintertime. I love camping when it's cold. And one of the things that you do when you go camping is you like to build a fire, right? And everybody likes to build a fire. If you're a guy, this is innate in you. God has put inside of every man to be a little bit of an arsonist, right? Like there's something about us. We love fire, right? And when we build a fire, we're like Tom Hanks on Castaway. I have made fire. You know, I love that part. And that's exactly how I feel every time I make a fire. Well, 
I was taught, I was taught how to make a fire with flint and steel, like old school frontier days. That's how I was taught to, to make a fire. And you get, um, you get some stuff like some bark or some, uh, so, some little piece of wood and you put it all together and you create this little bird's nest and you, you take this little piece of charred, uh, cotton and you put it on there and you take a, a flint, which is a rock, and you put, take a piece of metal, a steel, and, and you begin to chip away. Ding, 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 ding. And you get one little spark, one little spark catches on that charred cloth. And when that one little spark catches on that charred cloth, all it takes is for you to be patient and you begin to blow. Nice and easy. You begin to blow. And as you begin to blow and you separate your hands and the wind can go through, all of a sudden that thing will take off and a fire is birthed right there in your hands. You better put it down quick though. My dad one time was building a fire and he was showing us how to do it. And if you know my dad, we call him Cowboy for a reason. And Cowboy probably said in that moment, back up, girls. Let me show you how to do this. <laughs> Say, that's just my dad. I'm adjusted. I'm okay. So he begins to blow. And as he does, as he begins to blow, the fire begins to catch. But the little bird's nest that he created slipped out of his hand and went down into his sleeve. And... And then his arm caught on fire. It was the funniest thing. It was so awesome. So Paul says this to Timothy. Paul says, hey, listen. He says, don't quench what the Spirit of God is trying to do in your life. Instead, instead, here's what we need to do. We need to fan it into flames. We need to blow on it. We need to keep working that ember, that fire. Don't let it go out. So when I say be filled, I don't mean be filled one time. I mean, this is an ongoing process that every day I get up and I say, God, I may have limited you today or I may have limited you yesterday in what you wanted to do in me because of some sin in my life, because of some anger in my life, or maybe the way I talked to some people yesterday. And so you know what I'm going to do? God, I need you to forgive me for that. I repent of that. I want to get that junk out of my life. And today I want to fan into flame whatever gift you've put inside of me. I want to fan into flame. I want you to blow your spirit on my life. Let me be on fire. I don't want to be a little ember. I don't want to quench what you're doing. Sometimes we quench the spirit because of our past. Maybe it's our past teaching. Maybe, maybe you grew up in an understanding that, that anything with the Holy Spirit you kind of backed away from. And I'm telling you today, that's not what the Bible says. A preacher may have said it, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's an ongoing filling and we see that throughout Scripture. The third thing that we want to do today, so we want to be filled, we want to keep being filled, and then we want to be filled to overflowing. We want to be filled to overflowing. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is where, this is where I will probably break off some of this message, and we'll probably just push it to next week. So next week we'll probably get more into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but for today's purposes we're going to keep things kind of general. But here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. And I'm going to use this verse twice today. The first time I'm going to use that, I want you to focus on one word. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That word manifestation sometimes can seem like a scary word in some context. But I'm going to tell you, all it means is an expression. All it means is for something invisible to be made visible. That's all it means. And so this is a common thought throughout the Old and New Testament that any time the Spirit of God moves on someone's life, there is some kind of manifestation from that. 
We see it in the Old Testament a lot. As a matter of fact, whenever God commands Moses, who was um, one of his first leaders to, to take the Israelites out of slavery in, um, in Egypt and into the promised land in Israel, whenever he first does that, the Bible says that he wanted to build a tabernacle, a temple, a place where, where the people could worship. You know what the Spirit of God did then? The Bible says the Spirit of God was on a couple of guys with long names that I'm not going to try to pronounce without reading them. And it says it gave them the skills, the artistic ability to build stuff. That's pretty cool. That's a manifestation. That's an expression of what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. Now, you guys thought that the only thing the Spirit of God did was all this super uh, natural, mystical kind of stuff. And you didn't realize that he would actually give you the skills to build. You know what? If we want to build a house, maybe I need to pray for that. And that would save us a lot of money. It's probably not going to happen. God can do a lot of miracles. I don't think that's one of them. But there's a manifestation. And so, so a couple of generalities out of the book of Acts that I looked at, I tried to look up and see every time that someone was filled with the Spirit, um, what does the Bible say happened? What does the Bible say happened? Every time someone was filled with the Spirit, and, and again, we're not going to base this on any kind of denominational thoughts or theories. Let's just look at what the Bible says. In the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they spoke in other languages and they preached boldly. In Acts 4, it says they preached boldly. In Acts 6, uh, it said that Stephen had power and he performed miracles. In Acts 10, it said that Cornelius and his family spoke in another language and they praised God. In Acts 19, it says that they spoke in other languages and they prophesied. And then in Acts 8, so it's kind of backing up a little bit. In Acts 8, it doesn't say what they did, but it says it was visible to a guy named Simon. And he saw something happening and he tried to buy it with money. And Peter shut him down real quick. So there's four generalities I want to notice here in, in the book of Acts as an overall theme. And the first one is you see prayer or praise happen a lot. That when God fills you with his spirit, when he floods you, when he plunges you, when, he, when he's poured out on you, the Bible says people either praised or prayed. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. The Bible says that, that they had power. And Jesus even told us that in Acts 1. He says, whenever the Spirit comes upon you, you'll have power to be my witness. So there was some kind of power. So for some people, there was power. For some people, they, they prophesied. What does it mean to prophesy? You're getting kind of weird now. Prophecy, all, and we sang that song. Erica sang the song and talked about prophesying. The word prophecy just means to be able to hear what God's saying and then be bold enough to say it. That's all it means. That's all it means. It's nothing scary. It's nothing weird. It's just the, the idea that I can hear what God's saying to me and I can say it out loud. And then the fourth thing was that they preached. So they praised and prayed. They had power. They prophesied and they preached. Yeah, but Gabriel, the Bible says they spoke in other languages. What's up with that? That's weird. It may be. It may be. And we'll get into that next week because Paul spends three chapters talking about stuff like that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. But I'll say this from personal experience. I mean, I mean, whenever uh, my parents were missionaries in Guatemala, we had a lady come down. She had never spoken Spanish before with the exception of two words. She knew taco and baño. That's it. And really, honestly, what else do you need to know, right? I need to eat, and then once I eat that taco, I need to know where the baño is, right? Like, those are two things that are very important in Spanish. And um, that's the only two words she knew. And she began to pray for somebody else. And as she prayed for this person, she started off praying in English. And then all of a sudden, somehow transitioned into Spanish. 
she prayed in perfect Spanish. And, and my brother and I were, at the time, fluent in Spanish. She prayed better than we did. And whenever she got done praying in Spanish, my brother said, because he was there to help interpret, he said, how did you know that? She said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was just praying. He said, you prayed in Spanish. He, she had no clue. Didn't understand what, she just thought she was praying. Didn't realize it. So there is a place where that happens. And there is a, a, a valid place to use that. But that's something we'll talk about next week. So if you, if you want to know about that, we'll get into that next week. But the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So, so that takes us back to our plumb line thought at our church that it doesn't matter what kind of gifts God gives you. If you don't have love, if you don't have fruits, those gifts are useless, right? So that brings us to point number four. This is our last point. We got to be responsible. Be responsible with the gift God gives you. Be responsible with, with that overflow that God gives you, right? So if I'm going to overflow, I've got to be responsible. So in other words, um, in, in other words, you think about this, like, like in, my, in my kid's bathroom, uh, they, they've got a shower, and sometimes they're not responsible, and they leave the shower curtain outside the shower. Well, guess what happens? It floods the bathroom. And guess what's underneath the bathroom? My bedroom. No, not, not really. Underneath the bathroom is the laundry room, and the laundry room floods because that's this is what kids do. They don't mean to do it, but they're just not responsible with the shower curtain. And, and the Bible says we have to be responsible with what God gives us. That's important. That's important. And so I, I want to use a verse that we sang about. And, and honestly, I'm going to give it to you in a way I've never read it before. But when I was studying, it just made so much sense. So we'll go through this verse very quickly, and then we'll get closer to praying for people and baptism and all the things that we want to do today. So just hang on with me for a few more minutes. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. So verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So what are we talking about here? What are we talking about? We're talking about the gift of God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the overflow, what the Spirit of God wants to do through us, right? Not what He's doing in us, not giving us life, not giving us fruits, what He's doing through us, the gifts of God, those praise and prayer, the power, the preaching, the, the prophecy, all those things that, that flow through us. And so Paul's saying, fan it into flame. Fan what? The gift of God. And then verse 7 See, sometimes if you just read one verse, you won't get the full meaning. You've got to read the verse in front of it, the verse behind it, right? So he says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. When it comes to the move of the Holy Spirit in your life, there is nothing that you need to be afraid of. Yeah, but I watched that guy on TV and he was doing weird stuff and he took his jacket off and he was hitting people with his jacket and half the room fell down and and this guy barked like a dog. Listen, if it's of man, you can be definitely be afraid. But if it's of God, there's nothing to be afraid of. And I believe there's some things God wants to do in your life today. I, I believe he wants to fill you for a specific reason. I believe he wants to use you. He wants some things to flow out of you. I heard someone say one time, and I'll get back to my notes, but I heard someone say one time, they were, they were talking about um, 
somebody leading worship on stage and they said, they said, man, when this one person leads worship, it's like something just changes in the room. It just, it just feels different. Why? Because that's the spirit of God overflowing into praise and worship. And it becomes a gift and it begins to touch people's lives. It begins to change the atmosphere in the room. So here's what Paul said. It's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, love, and self-control. The word power, if you look that up in the Greek, it literally means miraculous works. It means gifts. So, so when he says power, he says God has given you a spirit that will produce miraculous works through you. He also says it's a spirit of love. Now, we talked about this before. Love is a foundational fruit. Without love, our gifts lose their effectiveness. Right? Paul said, you can talk in tongues, you can prophesy, you can perform miracles, you can do whatever you want to do, but if you don't have love, you're just making noise. Nobody cares. We've said before, our foundation, one of our plumb lines here at the church, is it's always going to be gifts have to be based on the foundation of the fruits of the Spirit. It's got to be based in love, right? It's got to be based in love. So he gives us miraculous works, but those miraculous works are based out of a heart of love. Without love, we grieve the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. But then it also says a sound mind. Sound mind. And I always thought, like, like if you read different translations, some translations say sound mind. Some of them say um, self-control. Some of them say self-discipline. And I, I just thought, well, I want to see, what does it really mean? And so I look it up, and, and whenever I looked it up, here's, here's what it means to have a sound mind. It, it means two things. It means willing to do God's will when he calls. So I've got a spirit that's willing to do what God says to do when God says to do it. Notice it doesn't say when you feel like it. It says when God says to do it. And the other thing it means is it means acting in a way. I've got to read this because I, I don't want to mess it up. Acting in a way that fits or is appropriate for the situation. How many times have you told your kid or your husband that he needs to have a little bit of self-control when we're in public? Right? Why? Because they're acting in a way that may not fit, that may not be appropriate for the current situation. Listen, God says, I want you to have power. I want you to have a spirit of power. I want there to be miracles and signs and wonders and the supernatural should be flowing through your life. Why? Because I want to reach the lost. And he says, I want you to have power. He says, and I want you to base that power on love. You've got to love people. It can't be about you. It's got to be about me. But then he finally says this, but you also got to have self-control. You've got to have sound mind. You've got to have self-discipline. You've got to act in a way that is appropriate for the situation. So next week, maybe we can get into this more. But 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And as he's writing the letter to them, he spends three chapters just talking about how to act appropriately when it comes to the things of God and the Spirit of God moving in their lives. So it says to, to do God's will when God's, God calls you to. And so let's, let's end on that. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. We said this earlier. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for something. This is important. For means, I'm going to tell you the purpose, right? For the common good. Not for your good. 
Not so you can take up a big offering. Not so you can be on TV. Not so you can write books and sell them for the common good that God's put gifts inside of each and every one of us. There are manifestations of the Spirit of God on my life, through my life. Not for me, but for you. For you. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This is our verse. We've been saying this every week. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. Now right there is where a lot of people stop. I want to be anointed, but there's anointing for a purpose. Remember the word anointing is the same same word we're using for poured out upon, for plunged under. It's all the same stuff, just different versions of the same word. For He has anointed me to do something, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Listen, God's work on your life, the Spirit of God's work through your life has a purpose. And that purpose is for other people. When I was a kid, you may have this at your house. When I was a kid, my mom had this closet in her room, and in the closet there was a box. And that box was full of gifts. Full of gifts. And it would be stuff like people would give my mom and, and she didn't really want it um, or she may have already had one and so she'd throw it in the box. Or she would go out and she would be shopping and she would find something, um, Anna, she would find something that was on sale, right? And she would buy it, throw it in the box. And it was something that, that she knew she could give away at some point. And what she used that for was whenever I had to go uh, to, let's say, a birthday party or I had um, teacher appreciation day, we would just go dig in this box and we would find a gift that I could give as a kid. And, and so she would, she would take the gift. She would give me the gift. I would take the gift and I would go give the gift to my teacher. What was my purpose in that? I was really just more of a conduit, right? Mom was the one that gave me the gift. But I didn't keep the gift I didn't use the gift for myself. What did I do with the gift? I gave the gift away so someone else could be blessed by the gift. So why does God want to move through your life? Why does the Spirit of God want to be on you? Because He wants to give you a gift. For what? So that you can look good? Nope. So that you can give it to someone else. There are people in your life today that need to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you. There are people in your life today that needs you to pray for them, not in a common way, but they want you to pray with power. They don't need one of those, oh God, bless them today. They need somebody that's willing to get down on their face and put their hands on them and pray for them, pray them through a situation. There are people today that need to hear what you've got. I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it one last time and this is where we're going to end. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me today. There was a man, I was reading a story about this, and, and I was preaching about something similar to this a while back. And so in my study, and I was, I was reading, and, and this guy was telling a story about how he was, um, he was on an airplane. And, and while he was on the airplane, he, he was sitting on the airplane. And you know how it is on an airplane. Like, you don't want to talk to anybody on an airplane, right? 
Like, like you don't want to be that guy or that girl that just starts talking to some rando. You want to kind of keep to yourself and, and you want to respect everybody else's privacy. And it's like the, the little arms on the plane. That's like an invisible wall, right? Like, this is my area. Don't come in it. And so this guy, he's in his little bubble and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my book or listening to my whatever. And he's just, he's just there chilling. And, and he looks over and he notices this woman sitting next to him across the aisle from him. And as he notices her, he said, it was like I could hear God say blank about this woman, like this whole sentence that this woman needed to hear. And I don't know what the sentence was, and and he didn't say it in the book. But he said, I thought, God, I don't want to do this. Like, that's embarrassing. We're on an airplane. She's in her bubble. I'm in my bubble. I don't want to I don't want to get out there. But God said, you got to tell this woman There's something I want her to know. And maybe she's not in a place where she can hear it from me herself. Maybe she needs someone else to tell it to her. And so the guy reaches over and he taps a woman on the shoulder. He says, ma'am, you're going to think I'm absolutely crazy and it's okay if you do. He said, but as I was sitting over here, I felt like God said this. And he said it for you. He thought she's going to be mad. She's going to cuss him out. She's going to, you know, call the stewardess to come back there and do something and Instead, her eyes filled up with tears. She began to cry and she began to weep. She says, you don't know what I've been going through. She says, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. And she prayed and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ and her life was transformed in a moment. Why? Because one man decided to be filled with the Spirit. How much? To overflowing. And then he decided to be responsible with the gift he was given. He didn't hold on to it. He didn't hide it. He didn't stick it in the corner somewhere. He gave it away at the right moment in a way that fit appropriately. He didn't stand up on his chair and say, everybody listen up. God's got a word for this woman right here and we're all going to... Nope. He just gently leaned over, whispered the word to her. That's what God wants to do in our lives. So what do we need to do? We need to be filled. We need to keep being filled. We need to be filled to overflowing and we need to be responsible for the gift that he's given us.